Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm going to be joined here momentarily by a returning guest, award-winning architect, uh, Augie Pisa, is going to be joining me here in just a moment. Uh, but first, let me remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursday evening, normally from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, but uh, tonight we're just going to be on here for an hour as I get uh, ready to gear up for the full broadcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, the beginning of March, we'll start the full uh, season, if you will, uh, full two-hour broadcast. Uh, first hour, typically during this time slot, uh, is reserved for the Coach's Corner panel discussions, and then following uh, shortly thereafter is the uh, interview like you're going to hear tonight. So um, that's going to be starting on March the 2nd, and uh, I'm excited to have uh, some returning uh, guests and a few new ones to the panel discussions this year, so hope you'll stay tuned for that. Don't forget, if you want to tune in live, uh, obviously if you're here, you know how to find us, uh, but the best way to do it is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live. And uh, we'll be there front and center during the live broadcast. But for some reason, if you can't tune in live, uh, just scroll down uh, the page to the on-demand section. And all of the shows, including this one, will be there in their entirety uh, in the recorded version. So if you can't tune in during the live broadcast, maybe you're on a different time zone and it's not convenient, uh, uh, particularly if you're overseas, um, that's a great way to pick them up. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive and you can listen through the on-demand section. But glad you joined us live. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my special guest, and I'm going to bring him back on the show. Uh, he's, an, as I mentioned, an award-winning uh, architect, uh, earned a, earning a Bachelor of uh, Architecture degree from uh, ITESM and also a Master's degree in Golf Course Architecture from Edinburgh University in Scotland. Uh, he's a proud member of both the European Institute of Golf Course Architects and the American Society of Golf Course Architects as well. Uh, he's been recognized, uh, world, uh, really developing world-class uh, golf developments uh, with uh, many international accolades, uh, which have garnered him a reputation for redefining golf facilities with his unique design concepts, wellness golf, multi-purpose golf, and, of course, the butterfly effect. Uh, he's been recognized by such uh, notable uh, publications like Forbes magazine as one of the top 100 uh, Inventive Minds from Mexico and Golf Inc. magazine also included him in their Power 2020 issue as an up-and-coming superstar. And he also, believe it or not, is the director of the First Tee in Mexico. So please welcome my very special guest, uh, award-winning architect, uh, Augie Pisa. Welcome back, Ozzy. How are you? Thank you, Ted. It's great to be back. Really appreciate that introduction. Well, uh, I could have gone on. You have so many... <laughs> 
other accolades, we would have spent the whole hour just reading them all out. So I had to cut it short. I hope you forgive me. But we'll we'll certainly throw we'll throw a few in as as we go along. But welcome back, my friend. I, I appreciate you uh, taking some time and and uh, and coming back and and spending a, an hour with me here. And uh, I'll do my best to uh, uh, to uh, throw you some some good questions. Uh, but what I want to do first, just before we get into some of the things that I know you would probably like to talk about, um, I always like to find out from guests a little bit of their background in golf, how they you know sort of grew up through the game, that sort of thing. Did you grow up watching golf as a youngster, or was it sometime later in your life, or not at all? Well, that's putting me on the that'll put, that's putting me on the spot, right, right, uh, <laughs> uh, immediately. So, but but I love it. I love it because that is one of the things I I will take into advantage. That no, I was not brought up on a golf. I mean, as a golfer, I played all sports when I was middle and enjoyed all sports, most contact sports, football, basketball. Uh, right. I, I used to, you know, I, I love that was my first passion. Always passionate about sports. Grew up in Tijuana Country Club where we did have a golf course. Uh, every now and then I'd be on the golf course, but, you know, uh, 40 years, 35, 40 years ago, Ted, it wasn't like kids, were welcomed on the golf course, at least not completely right. on mine. It was more like, you know, ah, the kids can play Saturday late afternoon and right. uh, maybe on Sunday. So it's not like it's now like where you we're all pushing to grow the game and yep. uh, and get the kids out there and get some get the moms and get the grandpa. We that wasn't the philosophy 40, 40 years ago. So um, no. So whenever. You know, when we when we were out there as kids trying to have fun, as you know, fun as in rolling down the grass or just you know playing in the bunkers, that wasn't well right. seen uh, as it, no. as it could be seen now. So I mean, now right. we design areas, specially specialized areas for the kids to have fun in the bunkers. So uh, it, right. it didn't exist. So no, I was not brought up. Um, I started I started being a golfer, like a strict golfer, if I may, when I graduated from architecture school and I knew that I wanted to pursue my golf architect career. Right. Um, just to, I'm, I'm laughing in the background here because it, it reminds me, I know when I was a youngster, I did, you know, grow up playing. My father took me out and I can remember, you know, a lot of times, uh, especially as a, a real small uh, youngster that, um, you know, I wanted to play in the sand. Uh, you know, I didn't care less about you know hitting the golf exactly. ball. I just wanted to play in the sand. So, yeah, I know I know exactly how you're feeling. So I'm sure, yeah, you know, my father unfortunately is no longer with us, but uh, I'm sure he's probably looking down. And says, yeah, I remember that very well, Ted. Um, but let me ask you something. So, so, so obviously you didn't start to play until a little bit later on, a little bit more seriously. But did you watch golf? Maybe not so much as a kid, but was there a point in time when you started to actually take an interest in watching the game? Yes, that's a very good question because the, you know what, how everybody, re, re, you know, well, not, I don't know if everybody, but you're, uh, usually you remember your first Super Bowl, no? So I was, I was laughing right. with, uh, with, you know, Ron Jaworski when I, when I met him a couple of years ago, it was like, oh, I remember my first Super Bowl, you were in it against the Raiders in, I don't know if it was 79 or whatever it was. So we, had, we were having a laugh about that. And yes, I remember Jack Nicholas winning the 86 Masters. That's my yep. earliest thought of golf that I have. 
Yes. Besides Jack, were there any other players that stood out to you that you really enjoyed watching that you can think of off the top of your head? That's it. That's it. Tom Kite probably was up there, but uh, I was really a, a big fan of Jack, uh, mm. who eventually, you know, became to a certain extent, and if I may, you know, one of my mentors. Uh, but uh, definitely, definitely that generation of uh, of, of players. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's I think it's the one that touches buttons a lot with with me. I mean, even Tom Weisskopf who's one of mm-hmm. my best celebrity designers, if I may as well. I, I really love the way that he took his uh, celebrity status and became uh, a designer. I, I yep. really enjoy every single time that I'm out there playing a Weisskopf course. Yeah, Tom was a very, um, you know, very accomplished player. He's tall like me. I think he was actually maybe even slightly taller. I, think he was, I know he was at least 6'4", maybe even 6'5". Very tall player. Um, certainly did a lot of... Uh, design work out in the uh, Arizona Scottsdale area for for sure, uh, as well as yes. some others. But uh, uh, unfortunately, we we lost him. I believe it was last year. Uh, he he had passed away, unfortunately. But um, yeah, yeah, he was a, a great yeah he was a great player to watch, and and as you said, went on and and did some great designs as well. So let me ask you that. And the, the reason why I was asking you the questions I did leads up to this one. So when you were uh, at some point when you did start to watch. Uh, some of the events, whether it be the 86 Masters, you know, and, and, and moving forward, um, did you often find yourself sort of in awe of the golf courses, how they were put together, and did that at some point spark an interest for you to want to get into that side of the golf? That's a very interesting question, Ted. Uh, no, it did not. And I identify that I identify with my clients a lot who are, you know, regular developers. Usually when you're out there building a golf course and you're a developer, it's usually a one-off. It's not normal mm-hmm. to have a, a developer that goes on and does golf course after golf development after golf development. It's usually, it's usually like a, you know, a one-off. This is my dream. I'm, very, I'm a very successful businessman in something else but I want to design or, or create a, a golf development, and I want my, you know, my idol as a kid to design it. So that way I'm there, and we're, we're going to have, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be, I'm going to watch him design, and I'm going to be having dinners with him, and I'm going to have memorabilia, et cetera, et cetera. It's usually a very visceral um, uh, choice where where when a, when a golf developer or or a developer does this for the first time, so that's that's why I wanted what I want to get at is that I identify a lot because usually the, all the the first process is actually you know teach him that these things are actually designed and they are crafted and it's it's something that it's an art behind the uh, the science so. Uh, why do I identify with this? Because when I when I was usually, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't know that things th- these things were properly designed. I, you know, I, you just mm. think that they just exist out there. So, right. So when <laughs> right. I had the first opportunity, when I had the first opportunity to to work with this, when I graduated as a as a regular building architect, uh, I graduated after my five year degree, and I'm like, I I all this time I'm thinking. How do I mix golf? Uh, excuse me, architecture with sports. 
And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I eventually discovered that you designed these things. And there's people that actually designed these things. So I was like, holy moly, that's me. Uh, that, that, and, and that's when I had the actual chance and the opportunity uh, to mix my, my, both of my passions, architecture and sports, via golf course designs. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, everybody sort of has um, sort of a springboard, if you will, into whatever it is that they decide they're going to do. And in your case, you know, watching other designers uh, as an example, and you mentioned, um, you know, that obviously Nicholas uh, and, and Weiskopf were, were people that certainly influenced uh, you in, in, in obviously different ways, but in, in a lot of things that you've done. So were there specific uh, or favorite designers that particularly stand out for you that you've seen, maybe you've seen their work over the years watching events, and you thought, you know what, I really like that. Um, not that you want to copy that, but really help to give you some inspiration. Was there anybody that stood out to you? Oh, there's there's a lot, especially in my in my growing years. I mean, I've I've had the privilege of working, you know, for for uh, signature projects for for Nicholas Designer for Jack Nicholas. So I learned, you know, especially the resort style of um, of, of design from from that group and and and, and Jack himself and being out there mm-hmm. on the walkthroughs and all, all that you know just even even just being out there taking notes as an as an apprentice or eventually as a project manager and and coordinator of the golf course for the client so it, it was a very good um, uh, evolution of working on on four golf courses with with this group great you know. Fantastic, fantastic leaders in uh, in golf design. I had the privilege of working with with Mr. Gary Player as well, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Fazio, Robert Von yep. Hagee down in in Houston. So uh, so all I'll, I take a little bit of of all of them to be honest. I mean, I think you know mm-hmm. art, even in architecture. If you go back to to regular building architecture, you learn right. by observation. You cannot mm-hmm. design anything that you haven't seen before. I mean, what, you, you, that's why architects are out there with their cameras. You see them when we graduate or, or even before. You're, you're down in Barcelona. You're down in, mm-hmm. in, in Madrid, in London. You're looking at these great architecture building or buildings and, and churches and cathedrals and, uh, and whatnot, and, and you're actually grasping and learning and, 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 and building your creative um, uh, bibliotech, yes. So once you have mm-hmm. that, I was doing the same thing with golf courses. I'm looking at these golf holes where I'm learning. Okay, this is a penal hole. I've learned so many penal holes now, but usually a par threes, no. Then risk yeah. and reward holes. Okay, I've seen I've seen all of these risk and reward holes. Now I've seen the strategic golf holes, and then and then mix it up when I when I spent a couple of years in the in the UK, in the British Isles, studying my master's degree, and you go out and walk and play the old course, then you're, you know, you're, you're in the biggest cathedral there is in golf. So mm-hmm. all of that, you start mixing it up in, in your own creative uh, mind, and then I, I'd like to think that magic happens. But that magic <laughs> cannot happen with, with uh, feeding through playing, through knowledge, through experience, uh, and through the famous 10,000 hours of hard work, 
that will not happen if you don't if you don't have that mix. Right. Yeah. What What did you learn from? And you could just use one as an example, and certainly whoever you want to choose, that's up to you. What specifically? Just give us some examples of what you learned from. Um, one of the the gentlemen that you just mentioned, whether it be Mr. Nicholas, Mr. Player, or what have you, because um, obviously when you were sort of following them around, you were kind of like a sponge, if you will. You were sort of absorbing everything and taking everything in. What were some of the things specifically that you learned from them that has helped you to move forward in your career? Oh, that's uh, that's. <laughs> Let, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one as well. Um, I would take I would take uh, resort style design, top top quality from uh, from mm-hmm. this, from from the Nicholas Group, from Jack Nicholas. I would take aesthetics aesthetics and quality of works from Tom Fazio. I would take sustainability uh, from uh, Gary Player and resort style as well. Uh, I would I would Uh, uh, Augie, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. If, if you don't, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Um, I know you're you're probably moving around, but I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback from from your mic. Okay, can you hear me there? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a little bit. Well, it's starting up again. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, I don't know if it's if you're you must be outside or something. There's a lot of wind that was coming in, and it was. Uh, overpowering uh, what we could hear, so um, okay. I apologize for Sorry that. I, I wanted, that. Yeah. I wanted to, no, that's okay. No, that's fine. I understand it. You know, sometimes that happens, but that's why I wanted to stop you before you you ended up telling everything. So um, you don't necessarily have to go all the way back to the <laughs> beginning, but just, gener- yeah, just, just generally, um, give us an idea of, of just an example or two of, of what you took away from that experience following some of these great uh, uh, individuals that that you did uh, as you were preparing for your own uh, journey. Well, I'll tell you, and one, one, one of the things that, that I cherish a lot is the, you know, I, I believe I, we create this great balance between the, uh, you know, extrovert, bigger, better, bolder design of North America, yes? Because we always do mm-hmm. things, you know, bigger. Uh, if, if we want, you know, it's very rare that we, you know, uh, uh, just – you know, we, we always go, like, with a big design, you know, uh, uh, in, in Vegas, desert-style golf course. Um, all of these things that we've created during all these years, which has, have been fantastic, taking all, all into that, taking all that in, and then going and spending time in the U.K. where it's completely conservative, it's completely mm-hmm. ecological, it's completely sustainable, it's the minimalist action, uh, all of that, I think that was one of the thresholds in my career where I got brought down to earth, per se, when I, when yep. I studied in Edinburgh and everybody's looking at my assignments in the master's degree and I'm moving soil left and right, creating big legs, creating stadium <laughs> courses, all of this thing, right. and everybody's kind of like staring at me Kind of like, kind of like, you know, who, you know, what, what is this guy thinking? I mean, wait a minute. Let's just, why don't you read nature? Why don't you, why don't you out there and just, you know, do a little bit of mounding here and a little bit of mounding there, which is a very conservative way of doing, but it's also a very nice and another type of approach. So now, 
when you ask me this, I'd like to think that we have, to a certain extent, a competitive advantage because we, I had the chance to look at the best of both worlds. And now mm-hmm. I mix these both worlds. I'm not afraid to experiment. I'm not afraid to be bold. But I also have a little bit or a lot of my, you know, British influence in the minimalist, uh, sustainable side. I think that sweet spot is one, what I like to think, one of our competitive advantages is one of the things that, that I love about our work now. You know, and that really leads me into this question then. I, I kind of know the answer from obviously doing a little bit of homework on my end. Um, obviously, the environment, too, is something many in the golf industry are, are becoming very conscious of. Obviously, you alluded a little bit to it um, with your experience uh, over in the U.K. Is it challenging or has it been challenging to design a course while at the same time being mindful of the environment? Because as you said, you're sort of moving heaven and earth uh, in, in, in some ways um, you know, to do the bigger and better type golf courses, but then at the same time, you're now aware that there are other options as well that can still produce a fantastic result, but maybe don't necessarily need to move that much. So is that a factor uh, that you're, you know, as you said, you're putting together now when you're producing uh, designs for your clients? Is that something you're always aware of or conscious of is, okay, whatever design I'm going to do, I want to be extra conscious of the environment and how can we do this in such a way to make um, as little impact on the environment as possible? Completely and most definitely, yes. Um, and this one thing uh, that I that <laughs> that I try to stay away from, and you, you usually, and nothing against anybody, you know, it's just a it's just a way of speaking, and uh, uh, you know, you usually you probably hear, you know, that that we have a blank canvas. Uh, to me, right. that doesn't exist. No, we do not have a no. black canvas. Uh, <laughs> we have a beautiful space, area, call it whatever you want, piece of land that has been untouched, uns- you know, whatever, however you want to describe it, for the past, for thousands or millions of years. That is a huge responsibility. So, Mm-hmm. Number one, I never, we never approach a project thinking that we have a blank canvas. That's the first thing that, that, that we speak about. So now with this, with this area that we have that we will definitely want to enhance, and number one and the most important thing, Ted, is ask for permission to come into this area and, and, and have a mutual respect. Yes, we're going to come in. We are going to create something for mankind, for the use of mankind. That means that we're going to alter it. Yes, that means that we're going to, 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 to do something with it in the name of progress, call it whatever. Um, you know, uh, how are we going to do this in harmony with nature? And that is the mm-hmm. whole aspect of golf architecture in our world, uh, Ted. You know, it's... it's yep. It's the balance between the art, between the science, in harmony with nature. Yeah, and, and you, you, the key word there really is balance. You're trying to find a, a, you know, once you discover what the piece of land is, once that's been presented to you, is now it's your job to go in there and say, okay, how can we create 
what the client or clients want, uh, while at the same time being respectful of that track of land, let's say, um, or, or parcel of land, um, and, and get the most enjoyment from it, while at the same time appreciating the natural beauty as, as you go along. So I think that's a great it, way that you put it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of, it's a, uh, I, I like to think that it's a matter of being in peace with your ego, yes? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Often you hear about, often you hear about, about about the signature either holes or 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 the signature or whatever and this is nothing against anybody it doesn't matter this sure. is just a, you know it's a way of marketing uh I, I i like to think or not think <clears throat> we leave the signature to nature our signature right. is has to be nature and if you you know sometimes they ask us hey do you have a style what's your particular style and like, no we don't we don't have a style and we're not looking mm-hmm. for one. It depends on where we're at. It depends on how we, right. how we speak to nature and how nature speaks back to us. And if you look at mm-hmm. our website, you will see that there is no project that looks alike uh, from the next. Because right. every single one has its own value, its own mm-hmm. signature. And that signature derives from that site, from that, from that particular uh, uh, natural site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I agree 100%. I, I think that, you know, each project obviously is different um, and presents a, obviously a, a variety of different challenges um, for you, the architect, and obviously for uh, those that own the property to be able to develop something that's going to be uh, appealing to their clients. And, you know, if they're, if they're building a community around it, what have you, they want something that's obviously going to be um, uh, very appealing and very stunning for their for their group, but at the same time want to, re- as I said, respect the, uh, the the landscape, if you will, uh, and and all of the beauty that it offers. I want to take just a very very quick break to hear something from uh, an advertisement from Golf Tips Magazine, and then I've got another question for you when we come back. So Augie, just uh, hold tight, and we'll be right back. Okay. The following ad is sponsored by Thank Golf you. Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back, everybody. And I'm joined by my very special guest this evening, award-winning architect, Augie Tiza. Augie, um, just before we took a very quick break, um, you were talking about uh, sort of piecing everything together um, in in both the the piece of land that you've uh, are working on, and obviously balancing finding that balance with the environment, I want to move on and talk to you a little bit about the design itself. And obviously, each one is different. Uh, what gets designed first? Uh, is it tea to green? Are you working from the green back, or does it really matter? Give us an idea so that people have a, an understanding. For those of us that are not uh, golf uh, uh, golf architects. Um, how you go about, how the process works. 
Well, I can only tell you about how our process works. So uh, sure. our process, we, we, we really go into the number one, it's the brief, Ted. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very important to be with a client uh, and with their team and say, what are your objectives of what you want to accomplish? What do you want to achieve? Do you want, are we designing a resort style golf? Is it a private golf community? Is it a championship golf uh, like, like, you know, TPC Sawgrass? Is it made, mm-hmm. what is it catered for? Yes. Is it? Uh, right. Uh, so that's the first thing. It's like, it's like creating a very nice 18 chapter, 18 chapter book and, and saying, okay, am I going to write a romantic comedy a thriller, what am I writing and who is my audience? That is the first thing that we need to put on the table that is clear. Once that is clear, then it's a little bit easier in regards to where you have the arrow pointing in the right direction. Now, that arrow can move a little bit to the left or to the right, but at least you know where everybody's going to uh, because you know that you're creating this for a special uh, audience, yes? Because you, mm-hmm. have to, you have to take into account, Ted, our clients is not the person writing the checks. That's our, yeah, that's, that's our client. But our client is the final user. We think mm-hmm. about the final user, and we protect this, this, this design from the final user, not from the person writing the checks. We're protecting the person writing the checks for the final user that are going to eventually create business for our client. So it's very important as a golf architect to be a well-rounded golf architect and not only create a very artistic and strategic golf course, but you have to also know the business and, and take care of your, your client that's writing the checks by doing all of these things. So when you have all of that, then we can start designing this, what I'd like to call the treasure map. So we're going to find out, if we're doing a master plan community where we're creating, uh, you know, housing developments and, and commercial right. and, uh, you know, different, different aspects during that, and, and, that and, then, and then this golf course that goes through these specific points in nature, you know, if you have a little bit of ocean, if you have a little bit of desert, if you have a little bit of tropical or mountainous or whatever, you want this treasure map to go around this area and connect with these mm-hmm. products that you're creating that that will become that famous treasure map of the master plan community. Once you have this treasure map, you know, now if it's up to the 3D and this is where it this is where we'd like to create the carousel of emotions. Now we have an emotional graph where it's, how are we going to tell the story? You know, going back to that great novel or that great play or that great music that you're composing in this 18-hole chapter, in its 18-hole golf course, it's, okay, do I want, what's the plot? I want some rising action. I want this, you know, surprising ending or, or, or a climax. What, what do I want and what am I looking at? And that's the 3D graph looking at it with an emotional chart. Am I giving you, uh, you know, heroic holes, 
uh, uh, risk and reward holes and penal holes, how am I going to address them to give you the best experience uh, of this of this uh, golf course? So uh, at the end, it's designing in 2D as a treasure map to connect in all of these aspects during the master plan community and then creating a 3D uh, emotional graph on top of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's when you start designing an e- maybe an easy hole to start off with, maybe a tough hole, seven, eight, and nine, and then I'll give you a little bit of resting on, 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 on 10, 11, 12, but then 13, 14, I'm going to give you a little bit, a little bit of teeth on the, on the holes. And then obviously 16, 17, 18, I'm going to give you, you know, some more challenge. I, that's the type of uh, approach that we have, but it all, it all starts with a brief of who are you catering for? Right. Right, especially obviously in a case where you're. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that, you answered it very well. Um, You know, obviously when you're when you're designing uh, for a community, let's say, as opposed to more of a championship style course where, uh, like a TPC sawgrass type uh, environment, um, obviously you're you're, again you have to be very mindful of the end user because you don't want something that is so challenging. Um, you know that they're not going to be able to play it with with any sort of enjoyment. So you obviously have to find a balance where you're presenting some challenges, of course, but at the same time there's some rewards as well, so that they're 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 feeling like, hey, I'm having a great time, and yeah, I got to really test my metal out here uh, at times, but there's some uh, good rewards as well along the way. Whereas when you're developing something that is uh, more for an elite style or uh, you know a, a tour level player. Obviously, you can be a little bit more aggressive in that design. What it, what presents the greatest challenges for you personally when you're when you're working on a project? What what is the greatest challenge for you personally? Uh, oof, that's a good one. I mean, there's various challenges. I mean, you always you know sometimes you work on budget projects. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you have sometimes you have a. Uh, I mean, uh, nobody has a blank check, but. Oh, well, I can't say no. nobody, but, you know, usually you have, you're going to have a budget, you're going to have land restrictions, you're going to have, you know, you want to respect the land, you want to respect nature. So there are, as a matter of fact, the restrictions when you're creating this master plan is one of the most important and key aspects of what you do when you're creating. What are the key aspects slash restrictions that we have on this piece of land, then you you take that into account. So that's one. Now, when it comes to designing, I think one of the one of the biggest biggest restrictions is actually not knowing the brief. That is the toughest mm. thing that you're going to encounter uh, when when you don't know what is that. That I always insist in this in this brief, and that's why I'm emphasizing on it now. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you don't you don't want you, you I, I I do not like to leave, you know, something that is not right for for our client when we leave. When we stop, when we finish this this beautiful project, uh, then I like leave something great and functional for our client. I'll give you a quick example on on a project we have in Europe right now. We decided on the brief, 
and we decided not to give back tees. We're not designing mm-hmm. for the less than 1% of players. With all the respect, mm-hmm. we all love them, et cetera. This is beautiful, but we are not designing any back tees. Why? It's easy because we're not going to design the golf course for the less than 1% that whenever they right. go and play golf, they don't even pay. So <laughs> why, you know, that, that, they are not our target audience. Anybody right. that plays scratch golf or pro will enjoy the, the regular member tees anyway. And, right. and if they can't, then it's a problem, not ours. The objective of the golf course is a different one in this particular case, yes? Yes, I agree. So I love I it. The, the, yeah, so the challenge, the, the challenge, you ask me what's the challenge? The challenge is convincing the client to a certain extent of that this is the proper way of doing things for the objective that we all created, yes? Mm-hmm. Well said. I, I agree. Knowing what you know about the game itself, you've you've had now uh, as you've you know gotten older, you've played a little more golf and and probably don't get to play as much as you you once did. But uh, you know you're busy with with these projects. But um, what do you inject from your knowledge, from your own personal knowledge of the game, into the designs, or do you? Yes, I do always. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a regular golfer. Uh, uh, I've been all over the place. My best, my best handicap has been a seven. So I've played, I've played mm-hmm. decent golf at some point in my life. Uh, uh, but, but I know that I've, you know, at the end, I am a very open golfer. The, the important thing to know, at least in my book and in my way of thinking, it's like being a great head coach or a great, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, manager what you do is you need to know what shot values and dispersion cones and, and types of shots that are out there. I don't necessarily need to execute them. I don't need, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to be a Michael Jordan. I don't need to be a Jack Nicklaus. I don't need to be a Cristiano Ronaldo. But, I, mm-hmm. but if I have Cristiano Ronaldo on my team, I know how to handle and how to manage that, that, that team. Right. Yes? Right. So. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that, what I what what we bring to the table as students of the game, as architects, as 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 you know, uh, we bring we challenge the the top players, but we also give the medium player, the weekend golfer, an opportunity to score. I I have a you know a little bit of a uh, of an approach to that, which is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intent on our designs is to have the scratch golfer think and then execute. And the mid golfer or higher handicap, I want him to execute and then think. I want him to discover. Mm-hmm. I want him to, oh, mm-hmm. oh wait a minute, this, I could have done this. I could have done right. that after the fact that he shot. And <clears throat> a, a low handicap uh, golfer, I want him to think. I want him to read the course. I want to create this dialogue between the golf course and the player. The high handicap to mid handicap, he's going to execute whatever he can. He's too busy thinking on his swing thoughts and, 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 and not making a huge mistake. That's what he's thinking. He's, he's not right. thinking, 
oh, uh, the ball's above my feet, so that that's going to make me draw a little bit. Let me, and the, and the green is asking me for a fade. He's not going to think that. That's not that's not the thought process for him. So that is mm-hmm. something where we have to. One of the challenges is where do you draw that line between that low handicap player and high handicap player? How close can you have that line? Met, And that is mm. one of the most important challenges out there, Ted. And, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to critique a little bit, but, you know, all of those websites where it says, Oh, we're, you know, welcome to our golf course, a great challenging course for the low handicap and an easy course for the high handicap. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't, no, you have to, you, you have to define yourself. The best golf courses are courses that define themselves. You know, best right. played black. Oh, oh, this is a course where you have no business playing. One of the most difficult courses, and it says right there. There's a sign right there. The best yep. golf courses are defined golf courses in our book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 unfortunately, in our industry, everything's about marketing. It's how you want to market yourself, and and yeah, uh, 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 yeah un- unfortunately, they tend to be a little bit liberal with the marketing, and and uh, sometimes it comes out uh, coming out one way. Um, I want you to describe it's, it's, a few things for. Go ahead, sorry. Finish your thought. No, just 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 to finish that thought. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, Ted. You, you can't. You can't have – I mean, you either have tight lies and your greens are rolling 12 or your greens are rolling 8. You're, you can't cater mm-hmm. to both sides. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, just, just to, just to uh, no. finish up that, that thought. Yeah, no, no, great, great point. No, I agree. And, you know, and, and it's the same thing, you know, with the equipment. That's, that's for another show. But, uh, you know, the equipment's the same thing. I mean, <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a lot of uh, product out in the market. I just came back from the PGA show a couple of weeks ago and – and uh yes. you know always always interesting that i'm sure you probably uh got in there as well but uh you know it's always interesting to see what's new and exciting out there but it's a lot of the same old suspect too unfortunately but i want you to describe if you wouldn't mind a little bit and and i know you talked about this last time but i i was very very intrigued um by this and i want you to for those that may be new listening to the program tonight particularly or those that maybe forgot about this from last time you were on uh, you could describe. I thought it was a very interesting concept, and that's the butterfly concept. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Thank you very much. I, that is the concept that um, that we created around uh, a, few, a couple of years ago in, um, well, at least the first lines, which is, which is, you know, if you imagine, it's hard to describe on radio, but let, let's give it a try. Sure. You know, let's imagine this four-leaf clover or let's imagine this butterfly uh, body and you have the, the energy concentrating on the clubhouse in the middle, which would be the body of the butterfly. And then each wing, each of the four wings are four circuit of six holes. For these four circuits of, of six holes, you would only need three combinations because you're, you want to play 18 holes. So we came mm-hmm. up with this concept of, of placing four loops of six where if you can imagine loop A, loop B, loop C, and loop D, if you're only needing three a day to play 18 holes, one day you'll play A, B, and C, 
the other you play A, C, and B, the other A, D, and C, A, D, and B, etc. and then you go to the Bs, then you go to the Cs, then you go to the D. Eventually, if anybody listening is good at math and at statistics, you would remember that permutations, not necessarily combinations, because you don't care mm-hmm. where whole number one begins. There's whole number one in A, whole number one in B, whole number one in C, and whole number one in D. So you have 24 different permutations. So in 24 mm-hmm. days that you're in this resort, you will not play the same golf course tick. Yeah, I, I, I remember when you talked about this the last time on the program, and I thought, what an ingenious concept. You know, because you. really, yeah, I mean, it really is. And, and, and again, I know, again, on radio, it's, you can't do it justice. So um, we'll, we'll send them to the website and maybe they can get a little bit more information there. But, you know, what, what I found really interesting about it was that the fact that, you know, so many golf courses, even resorts, will build, um, you know, three different uh, tracks on a very large scale um, of land in order to to do that and and I don't want to name names but there's and and there's nothing wrong with that everybody's different what I liked about this is the way that you explain this is really the land itself is not changing but the design within the land is changing in a sense because now you're able as you said you have 24 different opportunities uh, to play different 24 different courses and I thought what a, a great way to take an isolated parcel of land and create this concept on and give, the, whether it's in a resort format or what have you, an opportunity to play a wide variety of golf without having to really take it, up... It, do you understand what I'm saying? No, I completely agree. That is, that, is, that is where the idea came from. We were, our first design is in, is in uh, the desert in north of Mexico. And mm-hmm. it being a sensitive area to nature and to water, we started to think, how can we create something where more is less? Yes? Right. I, I, we, we knew that we have, a, we have a place where you can actually – where you, we have a place where you can actually create, uh, you know, 36 holes, which is the which is the regular, which is the regular, uh, which is the regular, you know, uh, resort style that you have uh, in in right. places where it's kind of like you know, you know, uh, you know, let's do two 18s or let's do whatever, and all 27 holes. That's the typical. Mm. So we did, how right. do we move away from that? And, 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 I mean, long story short, we came up with the four loops of six, which were, were just, I mean, we were even fascinated. And then even more so when we asked around, I mean, I remember asking, asking Brandel Chambly, my dear friend and partner, right. I remember, hey, Brandel, have you ever seen this? And then other key people in the industry hey have you ever seen this i mean you've you've interviewed everybody you've been all around the world you've been no 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 and i'm like holy moly this is <laughs> something special in 500 years nobody thought four loops of six yeah uh, and that, that's what i'm saying is it's very unique 
Uh, it's very, very interesting. And again, it's an opportunity um, for somebody that wants to uh, have, uh, you know, a golf development and really do something completely different. Because you're, you're exactly right. The sort of the, the, the molds, if you will, is if we're going to build a resort course, it's either going to be 27 holes or 36 holes. And it takes up, a, you know, a lot of land. And, and of course, if you've got uh, resort property, uh, you know, hotel and, and other uh, accommodations there, now you've, you've taken a very large parcel of land um, to really get 36 holes or maybe 27 holes, depending on where, where you're going. Where this really gives a much different opportunity for a much smaller parcel of land, um, and it's something very unique that's never been done before. So I can really see Thank that you. taking off. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I give you credit for that. And, and the fact that, you know, you, you've Thank asked you. around and, and nobody's seen it before. Um, and that's really what, from your standpoint, that's really what, what sort of sets you apart is the fact, and I hate to use this term, but sort of stepping out of the box. In other words, you're not just coming in there, and certainly I know you, again, it all depends on what your clients want, but you're also trying to find ways of developing something different that still accomplishes essentially the same thing, but maybe from a different perspective. And that makes your design team much, um, much you know, appreciated uh, by the industry. Well, thank you, Ted. That is, you know, you brought up a very good point. It's what the client wants, but most importantly, what he thinks he wants. That's the right. most important thing, what he thinks he, he thinks he wants. So, yes, my our client, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a huge property, and we're like, and he's talking about, oh, I would love 36 holes eventually. And we're like, wait a minute, we're in the desert. Let's take care of water. Let's think, there's another right. phrase that I have where, let's think of the future in order to design the present, yes? So mm-hmm. how can we create this to be a special place? We're not going to have more than, 20,000 rounds a year, which is another factor. Who are you catering for? If this is Mm -hmm. a a spectacular golf course where it's not going to cater for more than 20,000 rounds a year, why am I going to need 36 holes? Why do I want to leave my client maintaining and watering 36 holes if, if with 24, he could have more with less? Right, and that's my point, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying is they can have more for less and at the same time um, puts a a much smaller impact on the environment while at the same time providing more product without having to, you know, sprawl out across a larger parcel of land. So it's a very ingenious design. Yes. I, I'm going to give you uh, just a few minutes because you did bring Thank them up, so I'm going to just, yeah, you're, you're quite welcome. My pleasure. Um, I know that when you were on last time, you talked about, of course, uh, you mentioned Brandel, uh, Brandel Chambly. Uh, everybody, I'm sure, tuning into the program knows who he is. He's the uh, PGA Tour champion and also a Golf Channel analyst. Um, you guys partnered up together on some designs, uh, both in the United States and Mexico. Just kind of give us a little bit of update with that. Uh, have you got some specific things that you guys are working on right now? Uh, anything special that maybe you want to uh, share with us uh, as we get ready to wrap things up? Uh, I Ted, I'm going to owe you that one because we're working on very special things that I would like to okay. think that that in less than that by the mid year by summer, I think we're going to be able to talk about them. We are okay. 
doing some special things that we're uh, doing right now. I can tell you that we, uh, Brandel Chambly is part of the butterfly effect of the butterfly Mm -hmm. golf, which uh, he has a great quote, by the way, that I loved when he first saw it. It was like, hey, you know, six are the new nine and and, and 12 are the new 18, which is another Mm -hmm. thing that we bring up on this design. You know, you can... You can play six holes, you can play nine, you can play 12, you can play 15, you can play 18, or you can play 24. And, uh, right. and that's another part of the beauty because we addressed the timing factor of yes. people who are out there. And, and they only have, we only have time sometimes for six. I love playing six holes in the, in, the, in the early evening or late afternoon. I love playing six holes. But guess what? The, the golf courses do not cater that so i need to pay or for 9 or i need to pay for twilight and it could be a good business model just to have in mind that we can go out there and play six so that's one thing and yeah. just to answer your question on the brandle we're working on something very special that this i can disclose which is a an, a golf that caters for championship women a TPC uh, sawgrass for women and their shot angles, their shot value, their shot types, and everything that goes with it. It is, it is not just about moving the tees forward. It is about right. their angles on their second shot on par fours and par fives, and that's where Brandel, you know, Brandel being Brandel with being a genius behind the mm-hmm. analytics and statistics, he brings that left-sided brain to the table, which is just amazing. Right. Yeah, well said. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, again, that just goes to, you know, really to your ability to draw in people like Brandel and say, hey, here's an opportunity for us to collaborate. You're bringing your part uh, to it. I'm bringing my part to it. And, obviously, together you're going to create something uh, ultimately that's going to be uh, I sure very well received. And I just want to back up just one quick second to something you said about uh, you know playing uh, you know a, a different number of holes. I, I know from from doing not only doing the show but also being in the golf business myself for 30 years as a as a teacher professional. One of the things I'm hearing a lot more about now is people saying, "Hey, I don't know if I have time to play 18. Nine sometimes can even be a stretch, but boy, if somebody could." build a golf course with maybe even six holes, um, I, I would be all up for that. So I, I agree with what you said. I think that the the dynamics of golf have changed and are continuing to change so much that there's opportunities for a little of everything. So you can still have many of your traditional options out there. Uh, of course, they're not going to go away entirely, um, but I think there has to be some new options because people's time is valuable. Not everybody has time to play 18 holes. So we need to have other options out there, and I think that's what you guys are really starting to hack, uh, to tackle, correct? Yes, definitely. This, this Butterfly Golf is our more is less approach to golf, but we have created a less resource, more fun, uh, less is more concepts, which, which are the wellness golf, multi-purpose golf, all of these are smaller footprint footprint projects that are out there now where where you you can be out there and what we want you to do there is unlearn golf 
you know, you if you have 45 minutes, you can be out there playing horse with your buddies and just challenging yourself to a different green or a different challenge. Uh, that, uh, I mean, I would love to invite everyone to just hashtag wellness golf or multi-purpose golf, and, and you'll find our, or in our website, you'll find different designs from our smaller footprint, which is exactly catered for this type of golf, where you want to be out there having fun with your six-year-old, having fun with your nine-year-old. Uh, you want the grandfather playing with the grandson, the mother playing with the daughter. Right. Those, that's, that's what we want to create in these smaller footprint projects that we have created. I mean, after, after analyzing golf, where golf is expensive, uh, time-consuming, uh, judgmental, et cetera, it's like, okay, how can we grab these factors flip them to the positive, and that's when we created these smaller footprints that are now in, in vogue uh, uh, right. uh, in, 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 in more areas. Yeah, and, and just to add to that real quick, you know, we, we've noticed with the onset of new golfers coming, um, you know, obviously on the back of this pandemic that we've just sort of uh, parceled through, there's been a lot of new people coming to the game that maybe have never been a part of golf before. Um, they may not be interested in the traditional uh, golf in the sense of playing at the country club or playing at the resort um, that typically has been out there. They're looking for maybe a slightly different experience. Uh, so as the younger generations are coming up, I'm sure that obviously has some influence as well um, with some new ideas and some new approaches. So that obviously makes it equally exciting for you, uh, Augie, to, to sort of rise to that challenge and saying, okay, you know what, instead of just building all the time X, Y, and Z, here's an opportunity to meet the golfer where they're at, and that means the next generation as well, not just the current uh, folks that are in, in the game. So um, as we close, I want to give you an opportunity very quickly to respond to that, but also to let the folks know, direct them to your website so they can get more information about Pisa Golf. Thank you very much, Ted. I really appreciate the time and your interest in, in, in our work and what we have to say. But, uh, yes, that, well, first things first, uh, Instagram, at Pisa Golf, P-I-Z-A Golf, and uh, website and everything else, uh, PisaGolf.com. Um, and, yes, definitely, Ted, that is something that if you invite me next time, I will yep. be able to talk about smaller <laughs> size resorts resorts that we're creating where, you know, it's a completely different environment. Uh, let's put the music on. Let's have a big fat cigar with a mimosa. Let's, right. let's unwind. Let's unlearn golf. Uh, and, 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 and also, let's cater, you know, put up the fire pit. This is one thing that, that I also thought about. I mean, we're, we're designing these fancy areas with beautiful right you know, expensive sand that we import from uh, across state, states. And, and, and you, only get, you only get to use it when you're in it as a hazard. We're like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Why can't we flip the switch again and have this nice, beautiful sand at some point in the evening, turn up the lights, turn up the music, take our shoes off, go in there, yep. put, a, put a fire pit, and, you know, enjoy ourselves enjoy ourselves That's... inside that hazard that it's not yep. a hazard anymore guess what it's a nice beach area where you can take mm -hmm. the kids you know uh roast some marshmallows 
or or grab a drink or whatever. It doesn't matter, but just enjoy that space that, uh, you know, it's called golf, but it doesn't necessarily need to be golf. It could just be a place to enjoy. It's what they call a golf plus experience. Well, Augie, I want to thank you very much for joining me tonight. It's it's been, it's been a pleasure, and uh, maybe as we creep into the fall this year, I'll have you back. Uh, perhaps, uh, depending on his schedule, maybe Brand will be able to join us as well, and you can hopefully by that time be able to talk about some of the things that you guys are working on and uh, some of what uh, sneak peek at, at some uh, future uh, resort uh, options as well that you're looking at. But Augie, I want to thank you very much for tuning, uh, for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's, it's a pleasure, and I look forward to having you join me again in, in the near future. I would love that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Ted. All right. You have a great evening, and uh, we'll be in touch real soon. Thank you, and you. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my special guest, uh, award-winning architect, Augie Pisa. Uh, talking about uh, how he got started uh, in in golf and, and particularly in the architecture side of things, and obviously he does play golf as he mentioned. Uh, uh, his best uh, was up to a seven handicap, and that's uh, certainly a very respectable score. I imagine he doesn't get as much time to to work on that score right now uh, with so many things and so many fires, uh, uh, irons in the fire, as they say. Um, but uh, we'll get him back on, and, and uh, as I said, maybe we'll get Brandle to join him uh, on the show as well, and they can talk about some of the. Uh, collaboration that the two of them are doing. But uh, hope you enjoyed the broadcast. I'll be back again with another uh, interesting guest next week uh, as we uh, sort of do a Golf Talk Live light, if you will, for the next uh, week or two. We've been doing that here uh, for the month of February. And then March 2nd, as I uh, mentioned, we'll be uh, moving into the full schedule, the full two-hour broadcast, which will be uh, the beginning of the broadcast from 6 to 7 uh, Central will be the Coach's Corner segment and followed by my interview guests uh, on the second half from 7 till 8. So I hope you'll join us for that as well. Gearing up for a full season here, um, don't forget to also tune in every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, on the blogtalkradio.com network for the Women of Golf Show, uh, where myself and my good friend and co-host, LPGA professional Cindy Miller, uh, talk with some of the up-and-coming winners off of the Epson Tour, which will be starting up again uh, in a few more weeks. So we're looking forward to hosting some of the winners and uh, other players uh, from there, uh, as well as some other elevating women uh, in the women's uh, game in itself. So hopefully you'll stick uh, to that as well, and you can just go to blogtalkradio.com, this time forward slash women of golf, or you can just type in women of golf, and that will take you to the page as well. And it also has an um, on-demand section. So if you've missed it and you want to catch up uh, or hear a little bit of that show, you can go to blogtalkradio.com, type in women of golf, or forward slash women of golf, and that will take you to the home page there as well. And that's live every Tuesday from 9 to 10 Eastern. And here it's live every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Thank you, everybody. Uh, again, special thanks to my uh, guest, Augie Pisa from uh, Pisa Golf. Go to pisagolf.com. All of his social media links are there and a lot of great information on his architecture, design, and so forth. And you can reach out if you're somebody that's uh, in uh, the market of having a course design. Maybe you're a developer or builder that's looking to uh, – uh, to have a great design put together for your project uh, is definitely a great team to reach out to. But on that note, thank you, everybody, for tuning into this broadcast. I look forward to uh, next week. God bless. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest, 
for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.